Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to the Philly Boots Rugby Roundtable. This week I'm delighted to have a chat with the Head of Rugby Growth at the RFU, Ben Lowe, on the adult male competition structure that was announced a couple of weeks ago. We round out for what it means for clubs at national and county levels, as well as the effect on lower 15s and social teams. But first, a huge thank you to the Swan Rooms at the Reeves, the home of Staines RFC, for sponsoring this episode. They have two unique event spaces with fully licensed bars, a large outdoor area for any occasion or corporate function. For more information, email bookings at stainsrugby.com or follow their Instagram at roomsswan for all the information. Now, let's get to my chat with Ben Lowe from the RFU. Hi everyone, and welcome to another week of the Philly Brutes Rugby Roundtable. Uh, we're edging, close, edging closer to actual some rugby being played, so uh, it's all great to see everything that's going on around your social media channels. Uh, it's great to see that people are enjoying rugby. And my guest this week is the Head of Rugby Growth at the RFU, uh, Ben Lowe. How are you, sir? Okay, thanks, Sean. All good. And uh, today we're gonna we're gonna have a quick chat about the uh, adult competition structure from 2022-2023 season. Um, but first, how's the how's the last year been for you? Say again, Sean. Sorry, you just cut out there briefly. Uh, how's the last year been for you? Oh yeah, it's um. Well, yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy year, hasn't it? I mean, I think um, considering there's been very little community rugby played, I've probably never been busier, never had more more challenges come our way. Really. But um, it's great to see that life generally is opening up, and uh, we're starting to get some rugby back as well. So, so yeah, a lot more positive. Looking forward. Good. So, um, every. People might not know what the, the head of rugby growth is. Uh, do you want to give us a quick descri- uh, job description of what you do within the RFU? Yeah, sure. So um, work within the rugby development department um, as the head of rugby growth or more recently uh, termed the head of player experience. So we're one of three departments working in uh, community rugby. And in our area, there there's four four things we do in our team really the first is we we look after community game competitions so that's everything from national one on down in the men's game from the women's championship on down in the in the female game plus some of the age grade competitions and that's operating those competitions and developing them as well um then we also have a a a team looking at player growth so that's how we grow the game with um, certain audiences. So a lot of our women and girls work, for example, sits in that area. Uh, and then we have a, a small team looking at player retention, which has probably never been more important right now as we've had the <laughs> best part of a year off. 
Uh, and then finally, um, the team looking after what we call the player pipeline, which is effectively our work in education. So schools, colleges, universities, and how we transition some of those players into clubs. So uh, you're a very busy man. Fingers in all the pies. <laughs> yeah. We, we should have a chat about player retention at some point, for sure. But today we're going to talk about... Um, the changes to the, the adult competition structure for from 2022-2023, uh, which was announced uh, about two weeks ago. Do you want to give us a quick brief rundown of what the, the main changes are going to be? Yeah, sure. So um, I think the, the main changes really are um, that we've uh, created some some breaks in the season for, for player welfare. So at all levels, there'll be set breaks within the season. Uh, including a two-week break at Christmas. Now we know at some levels that happened anyway, but certainly right through the pyramid, that's um, that's been welcomed by by players. Certainly, we're looking to put in more regular, rapid reviews of the competition structure because it's um, it's been a long time since we've uh, we've seen significant change, and that'll just help us to monitor it. Um, and generally when, speaking, when was the last change? When sorry? was the last change? When um, was the last change? Yeah, small small changes go on um, every year. So the divisional organising yeah. make tweaks in leagues. But the the last major change has been it was well over 10, 15 years ago. So it has been a a long time um, since we've seen a, a significant restructure at kind of all levels. Um, so some of the other key headlines and key changes are we've. We've seen a, a reduction in the the size of leagues generally, and that was to enable that more balanced playing program. So to allow breaks in the, in the season for players to rest. And also uh, we've seen the introduction of a revamped knockout competition at the end of the season for, for level five and below with optional entry for, for clubs, which, which kind of breaks that league and cup clash that we've seen for, for many years, which has resulted in a um, you know, high walkover rates in the cup. Um, we've also, um, looked at some ways to introduce more leagues at different levels so um in the in the at level three so national two if you like there'll be three leagues now and then there'll be six leagues at level five 12 leagues at level six so you kind of seen a what we would term a flattening of the pyramid which is really based on reducing the, the travel to different clubs which has been a big bit of feedback that players have given us around the, the time and distances they have to travel. So we've had to balance that with kind of keeping the, the you know, the, the level of competition at each level. So yeah, there, there's, there's sort of a headline view of, of the key changes. So uh, this has been going on for a while. So how did sort of the, the, the process start and what prompted it to happen now rather than a few years ago or in a few years time? Yeah, you're right. It's um, it's been well over eighteen months of work um, across a number of uh, of groups and and you know including yeah you know, some really dedicated input from volunteers and clubs and CBs as well as RFU staff. So I think um, why it's come about now, really, I think you know I think over the last ten years, rugby has largely bucked the downward trend in team sports but that has been pretty much due to the growth of the the women's game and the you know some growth in the age grade game as well so i think the accepted view is that adult male game has, has been a bit more challenging um we've seen that players are playing less not that they want to play less but there's just other lifestyle factors getting in in the way of course, yeah. 
whether it be social, whether that be work at the weekends, um, whether that be kids, etc. Um, so that they are playing less, which means you need more players to put out a first team. On average now, we can track it for electronic match cards. On average, it takes around 43 players to fulfil a, a first 15 league season, which was around 25, about 15 years ago. So you're seeing that you know players can get pulled up from the lower teams. It has a knock-on effect down the club, which can lead to walkovers of the lower 15s. It can lead to teams dropping out of leagues and that kind of that kind of stuff. So the whole thing's quite quite connected. And I think that the feeling was that um, this this evidence is now sort of staring us in the face a bit more because we have the electronic match cards and we can look at match frequency. And uh, I think it was we need to make some changes to address those declining metrics. Otherwise, um, you know, the game's going to be, it's, it's not going to get better, put it that way. So the intention is all of the solutions that have been put in, the package of measures are trying to stop that, stop those uh, negative uh, metrics, really. So, yeah. The squad has been announced, and now it's your turn to get your Lions gear ready for the Lions Tour to South Africa in just a few weeks' time. Head to rugbystore.co.uk and use the promo code FYBPOD to save yourself 10%. Come on, you lions! Is is the competition structure just the first piece of that? I guess the first piece of that puzzle yeah. to sort of yeah, no, it's, it's the, a good point. I mean, competition. Yeah, competition is a major major part of the adult male game, obviously, but it is one one piece of the puzzle. You're right in terms of the overall yeah. adult male. And there's many other factors that we in the community rugby department will be looking at whether that's quality of coaching or player transition from education and through the age grades but this was the fix at the adult male end of the game if that makes if that makes sense yeah of course yeah uh, look, we'll, 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 we'll go we'll go down that rabbit hole one day soon i'm sure but uh, so let, let's break it down uh for the clubs um i, I will just sort of talk about what each, uh, what it's going to mean for each sort of the national leagues, the county leagues, and and then for social rugby. But um, so for the national leagues, what what does these changes mean to them specifically? Yeah, so by the the national leagues, you mean you know, national one and national two, north and south, as as they were as they are. Um, so level three and level four in the game. Um, so currently, all of those leagues are at 16 teams and the recommendation that council have approved is to move them down to, to 14 team leagues. That's to um, build in those breaks in the season. I mean, we were getting quite significant feedback from from DORs in particular and players at that level that the, the game can be a bit of a relentless slog and matches. It's quite physically intense at that, particularly level three, you know, just below the championship. So I, I think, once you've got to balance the club sustainability and the number of home matches, that was largely accepted as the right decision. Um, and at, le at level four, so national two, um, there were two leagues or there are two leagues and the proposal that was agreed is to increase that to three. So you're seeing um, 10 more teams come up into what we would term the, the national leagues at that level. They're the, they're the key changes at the top end, along with the, the Christmas break, the protected break weeks from league rugby in the season um, and 
yeah, generally uh, quite a simple solution there uh, for the next few years, which we're, we're going to keep an eye on clearly because um, of what's happening above in the Premiership and Championship could have an impact on that in the in future years. So, yeah. So, uh, just on that, sort of the 10 teams being added into the National Leagues, is that is that sustainable? Are the clubs sort of on really on board with the fact that they could do that because it could be a, a sort of another big outlay of cash that they might not you know, especially over the last 12 months they haven't sort of seen yes it's a good question we've been very mindful of how uh you know covid will impact some of these uh recommendations in fact it's, it's the one main reason why the process has been quite long because we originally the the proposal was to uh, launch a new structure in season 21-22 uh, but that's been moved to 22-23 to allow clubs to recover really um, to see yeah. what clubs come out of this season in and because you didn't want to create a, a new structure on the back of two disrupted seasons really with 1920 yeah. finishing early and you know, not having a season this year <laughs> this year would have not really made sense to introduce a new structure next season with with so much uncertainty so we're you know, you know we think that a, you know, a significant amount of those clubs would have been promoted anyway of those 10 extra clubs so you would think they were planning for rises through the leagues um yeah. and I think we just need to monitor next season for implementation that ev everyone that is moved up to a higher level is capable of doing that both you know financially and um and otherwise but you know, theoretically, there should be, you know, more travel for some. But even some of those promoted clubs will not see significant increases in travel because of the the flattening of the pyramid. Yeah. So those club, those ten clubs, they're going into a three league, a three division structure of sort of na what was yeah. national two. Yeah. Is that region uh, regionally based or? Yeah. So the. The the structures are um, national one, national two, level three and four, and in and in fact, level five and level six will be designed on a regional basis. So the review had um, four principles to to its heart. One was the player centricity and the player welfare. Um, one was around minimising travel or having appropriate travel times. One around club sustainability, and one around um, appropriate level of competition. So. The leagues will be designed with those principles in mind, but at levels three to six, it will be done on a regional basis to to ideally uh, minimise the amount of travel, which may mean in, in some cases or will mean that clubs will um, see some different clubs on their fixture lists in future. But hopefully that will provide some excitement and and ultimately less travel. Um, so, yeah. Definitely, definitely, hopefully. Uh, so now, now the... the Obviously, that's going to have a knock-on effect to, to the county league. So what uh, changes can you tell us that will happen uh, in those leagues? Yeah, so starting at, um, at level five and six. So um, at those levels, um, the maximum size of leagues, and in fact, at level seven and below as well, so the county leagues has been capped at 12. Um, so a lot of those leagues much further down the pyramid uh, at that size or less anyway but clearly the the biggest change comes at level level five and six and a, and a little bit at level seven um again you have the protected breaks at christmas and and through the season 
Um, and we've also proposing to introduce a new cut format as I reference at the top. So that'll be delivered at the end of this, at the end of the league season. Um, based on your league position, it'll be optional entry for clubs and they'll only need to let us know sort of halfway through the season. So, you know, if it's the right thing for them to do, their players want to play in a knockout offer, then they've got a better chance of judging whether <laughs> whether it's the right thing. The idea of being that, that could that could end with a, a community game finals events, a series of finals, ideally in the same week or same day, which we can have a real celebration of community rugby in, in April. Um, so they're the main changes there. We've also had a um, agreement to uh, introduce or, or relax the introduction around lower 15s in the leagues at level seven and below. So they're already allowed in the, in the leagues where the agreement exists with the county or the divisional organising committee in certain places. So in London and South East, for example, and the South West, they already have lower 15s. But this was to um, in, you know, offer the option um, nationally for that to happen where those teams can fulfil the relevant criteria and where it supports the local playing offer. So whilst that's been agreed, there's a bit to work to do there in implementation just to be sensitive to certain local needs where maybe it, it might not be seen as such a a desirable thing to to happen so yeah they're the, they're the main changes at, at those levels i think um th there's also the intention to to try and reduce this wasn't an explicit part of the recommendation but an intention to try and reduce the churn in leagues because obviously if you've reduced the size of leagues then you may have to look at the numbers promoted and relegated and to try and keep that club sustainability so clubs aren't moving all over the shop every single year, which can be quite quite damaging to some clubs um, going up, coming straight back down and then falling falling through the league. So, so yeah, hopefully, a, a, you know, a, a bit of a variety and a change and, uh, you know, players and clubs are going to welcome that when the time comes. Oh, hopefully, hopefully, time the time will be soon. Hopefully, so that, yeah, sort of out of the three. Then finally, uh, I guess whilst uh, social rugby is not necessarily in in the national leagues and the county leagues, how how will this affect sort of the the I don't want to call them the bottom of the rung teams, but the bottom of the <laughs> the bottom of the ladder teams, the the bottom of the pyramid. How will it affect all of those? Yeah, I mean, I think so. For those teams and uh, clubs at the the lower end of the pyramid, I mean, yeah, they're going to see a revamped cup offer, a revamped knockout offer. Um, there's going to be some consistency to the leagues being within the the county boundaries, um, but with that cap on numbers of numbers of clubs within um, each league. So I think there'll be a bit of a bit of um, new news there at those levels and then obviously for for social rugby outside the pyramid um so in merit leagues or friendly fixtures um if we can fix or see um an improvement in the numbers of players or and just holding steady in the in the first 15s in the pyramid it should have a knock-on positive effect on the 15s being able to maintain their social players and i, and I would hope that um some of the experiences we've had over the last few months um will really actually support some of that social rugby so players players haven't had a lot of rugby but I'm, I'm seeing already a lot of anecdotal evidence of clubs really thinking differently about 
the playing offer for those those kinds of players. So you've had a lot of Friday night fixtures, back to back fixtures in the in the day because um because the weather's a bit better at the moment. So as we're starting to open up again, I think that that whole social more flexible playing offer at those levels with you know slightly amended regulations, whether it's the game on regulations to allow matches to happen with 13, 14 players. So or they've think, used Philly Boots. Sorry? <laughs> or they've used yeah. yeah. Philly Boots to find a... 100%. We'll see. 100%. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully they will. Um, so what, for, for you then, what does the 12, the next 12 months sort of look like in terms of getting all the information about what is actually going to happen the following season sort of put together and out there? Yeah, so we've, um, um, I mean, we're looking ahead positively for the next 12 months. We did a, a survey in uh, February, March time, and it was pleasing to see that around 90% of players said they, they can't wait to, to come back to rugby. Um, the, anecdotally, the numbers at clubs, particularly in age grade, have been have been pretty positive over the last couple of weeks. I think people are just keen to have something different to do coming out of out of lockdown back to the the social um we've got a good summer program in place to you know allow clubs and uh players to play should they should they wish to but also to protect get that balance with protecting player welfare because you don't want a 15 month season coming up in this in this season um especially on the cricket pitches during the summer yeah yeah exactly exactly um we, we know there's a few at-risk groups, whether that's some of the more social players or, or, or perhaps teenagers that, you know, found other things to do in lockdown. Or we know that front five players haven't had as many opportunities to play because it's been mainly non-contact. So we're, in, we're encouraging and working with clubs and CBs to, to, to look at specific options for those groups of players, really, building building up to a hopefully a great return of community rugby in the first weekend in September when we can all celebrate return of the leagues, return of the the, the clubs fully opening up. Um, so, yeah, that that's the next three to four months, I think. And then beyond that, we've got hopefully continued growth in the women's game with a Rugby World Cup in there, you know, move to the following year. But that's a real focal point for for us to promote the, the female game alongside implementing the, the male review. And we're we're constantly looking at the formats of the game as well because we know non-contact has actually been, largely speaking, the only thing you could play in the last twelve months. We've had some adapted laws, obviously, which has been good. But we've seen a growth in non-contact, and I think that's offers an option for for growth in the future as well. So, yeah, lot, lots to be positive about, but obviously keeping an eye and working with clubs and counties to to ensure that they can return safely and successfully perfect look uh, i don't want to take up too much more of your time so uh thank you uh ben for for joining us and hopefully that was put some meat on the bones for everybody that sort of had a few questions to answer uh, ask uh, and things like that so uh, i really appreciate you giving up your time this morning to, to have a chat with us um yeah uh hopefully we'll uh, we'll, we'll go down the the player retention uh, 
rabbit hole one day soon over the summer over a beer and we'll uh, yeah. we'll, we'll fl- thrash out some ideas i'm sure but uh so i'm looking forward to that uh thanks everyone for watching thanks everyone for listening and we'll uh, we'll catch you down the road cheers thanks sean a huge thanks to Ben Lowe for joining me on this episode and a massive thank you to the Swan Rooms at Staines RFC for supporting this show and for, to get 10% off at Rugby Store visit rugbystore.co.uk and use the promo code FYBPOD at the checkout my name's Sean Freeland and you've been listening to the Finley Boots Rugby Roundtable 